On this episode, we look at the Facebook data debacle with Cambridge Analytica, Uber putting the brakes on autonomous vehicle testing, plus Google's new ad options to take on Amazon and a whole lot more. It's the Britain Digital Update podcast for the week of March 19th, 2018. Hello, I'm Dave Begood, host of the Britain Digital Update podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but if you are an active participant right now in the hashtag delete Facebook movement happening on Twitter and across the social universe, it's not going to solve anything. I need to be clear and honest with you. Your data is everywhere. Pandora's big box of data was opened years ago, before any of us could really fathom what the consequences would be. For many years, we've handed permission over to others so that they can access our data, track us with cookies, and in exchange, we received access to services and content. And in many cases, we didn't understand or simply had no idea that there could be consequences or that we were really even giving up information. When you're on Facebook, your actions are being tracked. When you complete that goofy quiz that says what your spirit animal is, your data is being tracked. When you're on email, your emails are read by machines. When you use apps on your phone, your searches, your location, your purchases, all tracked. When you use a navigation system in your car, your location, your speed, your distance, your activity, all tracked. Now, this isn't the first treasure trove of data that's been available for misuse. There were breaches with Yahoo and LinkedIn and Target all on a massive scale, all had large data breaches. And let's not forget Equifax. Your data is already everywhere. Deleting Facebook won't make any difference. There are plenty of marketing companies that exist just to piece together this data, too. It doesn't matter if you turn off cookies on your browser. The next time you open a phone app, the information is matched to your profile and collected by the data company. That might be tracked by a Facebook account, by email, even through a device ID. How many devices do you have at home? Two smartphones, a laptop, an iPad. They all have an ID, and these companies already know how many devices are likely attached to your profile, in many cases thanks to your email. So you might want to delete Facebook because you're appalled at what's going on with Cambridge Analytica, the lack of guard when it comes to your data. It could be the last straw. After several years of divisive newsfeed posts, you want out. I get it. That's fine. But you need to understand a few things. First of all, deleting the app only removes the app from your phone. Deactivating your account is not the same as deleting it. It's actually a few extra steps. It's harder than you think, and I believe they have 90 days to do it or something like that. Even if you don't want to use Facebook, it can still track you. It targets you with ads on the Facebook ad network. Why? These companies know your devices. They know your email. And again, even if you delete your account on Facebook, many other networks and services have pieced together this information. Now, it's not all bad. I mean, as brands and as marketers, we use some of this information to find relevant people. We show them the right message at the right time, and that generates brand awareness or purchases. It's not all manipulative. In fact, the trend is actually to rely even more on data so ads can be personalized too. Yes, we find irrelevant ads intrusive, but we find a relevant ad may have actually led you to a purchase, may have led you to the awareness of a new restaurant or a new church or even a job opportunity that can change your life. A study released just this week found that 86% 
67% of loyalty program members didn't mind that their online moves are being monitored or tracked in exchange for personalized rewards. What we mind is when the data is not guarded, as was the case with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. And we have the right to feel outrage. The problem with Facebook prior to 2015 is that when any developer was allowed to access data, it literally downloaded the data. Facebook no longer had control as to what happened to it. Once downloaded, that data could be shared, sold, misused. And this Cambridge Analytica thing could be small potatoes. According to the Wall Street Journal, they say that a search site called Profile Engine that existed back in 2011 collected information from more than 420 million Facebook user profiles. So where's that data now? It's literally too late to close Pandora's big box of data. If you want to delete Facebook, Go ahead. Just know that your data is still everywhere. That is not the only way to identify you. And to do something about it requires like moving off the grid and never resurfacing with a device ever again. Not to mention all the tinfoil hats that you'll need to be wearing day and night. Now, let's get to the latest digital retail, social media, and marketing news with our Britain Digital Update. Let's start with Facebook's reaction to the Cambridge Analytica misuse of its data. Through a Facebook post, Mark Zuckerberg released a statement in reaction to Cambridge Analytica's data misuse. It was over 900 words long, and not one of them was the word sorry. That had people in an uproar. It did not go over well online. Facebook and Twitter trolls were quite vocal about it. Now, Facebook's CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, later rectified that in several interviews, including one with CNN's Anderson Cooper 360, saying, quote, this was a major breach of trust, and I'm really sorry this happened. Our responsibility now is to make sure it doesn't happen again, unquote. Like I said, this data is already out there. There's no closing Pandora's big box of data. Facebook claims it failed because it had never followed up with Cambridge Analytica to ensure that they deleted the data it had possessed. They told Cambridge Analytica, hey, you guys need to delete that, and that never happened. Facebook says it recently found out about the existence of the data just last week, as we did, and as a result, they're making big changes. Facebook is planning on investigating any app that had access to large volumes of data prior to 2014. That's like a six or seven year span. It also is removing access to your data by any app that you haven't used in the last 90 days. So you may have, so you may have given permission to an app, say in 2009, and they've been tracking your data this whole time, but you haven't used it since 2009. Well, they can't do that anymore. And Facebook is limiting the data it shares with developers to only your name, your profile photo, and your email address. However, those apps can ask for additional permission to see more data like your posts or your private data. Facebook will also provide a tool so that you can review the apps that you've given permission to view your data. It'll also be easy to revoke that permission with this tool. Now again, most of the damage, most of the shared data done prior to 2014 because they changed policy at that point when they found out that this data had been downloaded. Unfortunately, they didn't follow up on it. But all this can't be unshared. Your data is out there, and there's really no way to reel it in. As we mentioned earlier, in many cases, the reason we exchange our privacy, our data, is for convenience. Now, if you told people 20 years ago that we would let our cell phones and our speakers in our house actually listen to our conversations, 
they would have said no way. But we do. We allow smart assistants like Siri and Alexa to listen for wake words. They're always listening. The line of what we aren't willing to do, what we aren't willing to give up, keeps moving. In 2018, that line appears to stop at our front door. Yes, we have these devices inside our house, our smart speakers, our video cameras, our smartphones, but that does not include delivery people. Retail Dive reported that a majority of consumers are not willing to use the Amazon Key delivery service. That's where the couriers, the delivery people, can deliver the package inside your home. They get access through a smart lock to put the package inside so it doesn't get stolen off your porch or to even put your groceries away. Retail Dive cited this study saying that more than 75% of women and 60% of men are unwilling to use this service and let people inside their home. Their biggest concerns are related to letting a courier inside your home because they could steal something, uh, privacy breaches, or that even your pet could escape out the front door. Amazon, again, trying to solve the problem of packages getting stolen off your porch. As many as 20% of their packages are stolen right off your porch. But we draw the line at letting people inside our home. Amazon's actually testing other ways to solve this problem, including lockers, like having a set of lockers at the convenience store, the 7-Eleven down the street, where they could deliver packages to your locker, kind of like a P.O. box. And then you would go and unlock that locker with a code sent to you on your phone. They're going to continue to try to solve this problem, but a lot of us not willing to let people in our home in exchange for the convenience. Now let's switch gears away from privacy and talk about Uber. See what I did there? Switch gears. There are several potential benefits to a future of autonomous driving. That's why so many companies like Uber and Google and Tesla are trying to make autonomous driving happen. Driverless vehicles. Those benefits could include potentially eliminating distracted and drunk driving or eliminating accidents altogether, improving traffic flow, more time for productivity because you're not focusing on driving, you can do work in the car. Even lowering the cost of insurance could be a potential benefit of autonomous driving. Unfortunately, the future is just that, the future. It's not the present. And this future technology is not quite where it needs to be. While autonomous vehicles are being tested in several areas across the country, most of them this week applied the brake after reports of a woman crossing the street in Tempe, Arizona that was hit and killed by an autonomous Uber car. How is it even possible that with all of this technology on board, the accident still occurred? Clearly, there is more work to do. Now, local police said it would have been almost impossible to avoid the accident. Now, the video has been posted online and shared with local police, all like the moments leading up to this accident. And you might agree with local police, it would have been nearly impossible to avoid. It occurred at night, this accident. The pedestrian and her bicycle appeared at the very last minute, especially because it was dark. You couldn't see it till just a couple seconds. You couldn't see it with a whole lot of time to react. And while there was a safety operator behind the wheel at the time, he looked away right before this woman was visible. There is an investigation underway to determine why the vehicle didn't detect the pedestrian. That's part of this technology. It's supposed to detect what's in front of you, and it didn't. But it's definitely going to impact how fast these autonomous vehicle tests are happening. The long-term impact, kind of unclear. But 
in many states, regulations on autonomous vehicles and driverless vehicles still under development. In most states, there are no laws, and this accident might speed up that process. Most driverless vehicle testing is paused right now until tech companies can figure out what steps to take to make sure this doesn't happen again. Now, the nextweb.com reports that this is only the second accident ever by a driverless vehicle from Uber and the first fatal accident, but it really doesn't matter. I mean, that one death is one death too many, and it's far more important to get this technology right than to get it to market fast. Let's switch up subjects now and talk about Google and Amazon. They're butting heads on a number of fronts, including the battle for the share of smart speakers. On one hand, you have Alexa and the Echo line of products. On the other hand, you have Google Home. One of the reasons they're battling so hard is that these brands understand how smart speakers are a gateway to our future shopping dollars. If one of the brands can get you in their ecosystem, for example, if you have an Echo, you're more likely to just shop with your Echo and shop on Amazon. You're more likely to spend your dollars through that ecosystem because it's convenient. You can just do it through voice. It doesn't take a lot of effort to ask Alexa or Google Assistant to do something. Now, not everyone is shopping yet through their smart speakers and digital assistants, but we are often asking our devices, whether it's mobile search or whether it's our smart speaker, where we can buy a specific product. Google's president for retail and shopping told Reuters, over the last two years, mobile searches asking where to buy products have soared by 85%. You jump on Google and say, hey, where can I buy this new car seat? Where can I buy this new laptop? And this is the reason that Google launched a new product called Shopping Actions. According to Google, Shopping Actions gives customers an easy way to shop your products on the Google Assistant or Google Search with a universal cart, whether they're on mobile, desktop, or even a Google Home device. Now, Google's teamed up with some big retailers, Target, Walmart, Home Depot, Costco, Ulta Beauty, so that they can test these sponsored shopping ads that are based on a retailer's product catalog and user searches. So these companies have uploaded a lot of their product catalog, and then when you're searching, where do I buy this product, Google can suggest because it knows all the retailers' product catalogs. It can also charge for that suggestion, which means revenue. Additionally, they've created a universal cart. So just like on Amazon, it doesn't matter where you're buying it from, you just add it to cart on Amazon. There could be a first-party retailer or a third-party retailer on Amazon. Well, there can be multiple retailers on Google, and you just add it to a Google universal cart, and then you can make your purchases. And that makes purchasing through Google much more convenient. One thing that's interesting is Google's new shopping actions uses a pay-per-sale model, similar to pay-per-click. This means that you only pay when a sale is actually taking place. Whoa, that's huge. And these retailers that are already involved are sharing incredible results. Of course, they don't usually share the poor results in a case study. We'll watch to see what, if any, impact this has on Amazon. And it could be big. Now, there are plenty of other recent stories we cover online we don't have time to get into in this week's podcast. They include KB Toys. Could they be returning as Toys R Us leaves? Also, a newer report says 72% of users are reporting Instagram influences purchases. That could have a big impact on your marketing. Walmart could soon take on car dealers. We've got a link to that story. Your boss could read your private Slack direct messages. <laughs> yeah. And Shopify just became the first commerce platform to add Google Pay. All that and more online at BritainMDG.com. You can click on blog and then the most recent digital update. 
If you feel informed, you feel like this was loaded with value, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for Britain Digital Update and hit the subscribe or follow button. And that is a wrap. Episode 6 in the books of the Britain Digital Update podcast for the week of March 19th, 2018. I'm Dave B. Good. Thanks for listening.